0: Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas with a simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Today's scripture reading comes from John 11, 1-7 and 17-27. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, "This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it." Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, "Let us go back to Judea." On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life and one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. For those who know me well, you know that being able to laugh is really important. Like humor and comedy has always been a big part of my life, but oftentimes people misunderstand that. They actually think that means that I'm some joke teller. Like I have like a library of jokes in my mind I'm ready to share at any moment. The reality is I don't. I have just one stupid joke that I I enjoy telling from time to time. You wanna hear it? Okay, here it goes. That's really bad. Um, Do you wanna know the secret to telling a good joke? timing yeah it's a bad joke it really is bad it's much more fun telling it than hearing it I promise uh, there's actually a second version of that joke you want to hear that this is becoming pastoral abuse I know that but hey here we go second version of that joke do you want to know the secret to telling a good joke timing yeah how many how many viewers have, have we lost anyone know um, so <laughs> timing is important not only to comedy, but just in life. Timing is incredibly important to us. A uh, story that highlights that is this is a story from John eleven, and uh, in the Gospel of John, it's the only Gospel that shares this story. But it's actually for me, it tells a story where God's timing is reveals something incredible, and what it does it, this. Moment, this chapter in chapter eleven is a great turning point in the gospel, where we find how we can question God. We find it's a story of great loss and sorrow. In this story, it holds the final sign sign of Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of John. It has the shortest verse, and this chapter also seals Jesus' fate upon the cross. And it begins with bad news, and in their mind, bad timing. Lazarus who was a close friend to Jesus becomes ill so his sisters Mary and Martha they send word to Jesus saying that that your friend the one who you love is sick Jesus of course of course Jesus would come and heal Lazarus if Jesus would heal Samaritans and strangers and sinners of course he's going to heal this man whom they whom he loves So that's why in verse 4, it's really confusing. Verse 4, when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he had heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Perhaps for the original hearers of this story, the, the readers of this story, they would see Jesus's promise that he makes here and his actions, and they don't seem to line up. Because if you knew the geography, you knew that Jesus was, he was days away, yet he seems to be in no hurry. In fact, he seems to be intentional in waiting, uh, waiting for a couple days before he begins his journey back to Lazarus. So why is he being so deliberate to share this promise and yet wait? Well, we find here the frustrations that we actually have at times with God's timing, with our expectation of God and God's action, his response, they don't line up. But Jesus gives his promise that this will be redeemed by God's glory and this will not end in death. So with that in mind, we, we now turn to verse 17, and this is what we find. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. This would have been perplexing, not only for the disciples, but also for Mary and for Martha. Like Jesus, why, why was your timing so off? Especially in that culture, they actually had this belief that when someone died, that their spirit hovered over their body with the chance that they, the spirit could re-enter the body. Um, but that only lasts for three days. So for three days, there's this little bit of hope that perhaps that Lazarus could come back to life. And I imagine Martha and Mary, as they send their word to Jesus, and the people who, sh- who gave the word come back and said, Jesus, all right, we, we told Jesus. And so certainly, I'm sure that they, they were praying by by Lazarus's bed they thought of course Jesus is on his way as they saw their brother slowly fade into death Jesus has to be coming and even after he had died as they were preparing the body and then one day rolled into the second day rolled into the third day of course Jesus will be here he's, he's gonna come and then on day four when there's no chance of hope. There's no chance of Lazarus breathing again, of his eyes opening again. That is when Jesus shows up. In their mind, Jesus was not there in time. So what do we do when God's timing is not our timing? You know, when you were hoping and looking for that change and it didn't come in time, like you were praying for that provision, that intervention, and and it seems like sorrow and suffering has just won the day, you know. Like that honest prayer of, "Like God, I could have used, I could have used that yesterday. I could have used that a week ago." Your timing is off. I needed a miracle already. You know, this past week I've, I was noticing, from friends, uh, just with talking to them and seeing on social media, just prayers of lament which is this biblical prayer where we press into the unknown with honesty about the suffering that we see and experience. And quite often, these prayers begin with, how long, O Lord? It's about timing. Like, how long, O Lord, will this suffering take place? Like, how long, O Lord, will our nation and our world be gripped with fear because of this disease? How long, O Lord, will our community be stifled by not being able to go out to be experience that vitality that we used to have how long o oh lord will the vulnerable in our community the children of our community experience abuse and neglect in their homes how long o oh lord will the god given dignity and value that people of color have from you be exploited and devalued and destroyed by the ever present hand of racism that is in our country like the right time for change was before today, it was in the past. We need the the rivers of justice to flow already, we're parched for it. What we'll find in this story, what we'll find in this chapter of John is that that type of prayer is welcomed by Jesus. That our God is the one who comes to us, though his timing might seem off in our mind. Jesus meets with us in the midst of our despair and offers us a way forward he surprises us with his redemptive power in the midst of suffering so Jesus arrives to Mary and Martha's hometown it seems like these two sisters they uh, they hear of it Martha quietly goes he leaves her home that's it's full of people they're mourning with them uh, and she quietly goes out to the edge of town where Jesus is waiting for her and listen carefully to how Martha wrestles with Jesus For she does so with honesty and with faith. Verse 21 Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's an honest statement. Like that's more than just some religious platitude that we might say to cover up our pain. Because she actually acknowledges Jesus, you had power. You had power to change and heal him, but that power wasn't here. So like you can hear the disappointment in her voice the just the confusion in her mind and her heart but Martha doesn't end her statement with that she presses through honesty and she leaves room for hope verse 22 but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask Martha has no reason or no proof to think that Jesus can do something for her brother But she says this word of hope that that I know that even now, that's a word of faith that she still trusts in the power of Jesus, though every reason in her mind, everything she's ever experienced says that it's over with. And so we see Martha's words, these two halves of these statements. the, The half is just brutally honest that she acknowledges that Jesus had this power but was not here in time, but even now. And for me, this is such a great example that when we have times of lament, we have times of uncertainty and suffering, that we can bring both of those statements to Jesus in honesty, that we can be honest with our despair and honest with our trust. Like Even for me, I've thought through, like which half of that statement do I neglect? Like, do I just, just pray just prayers of despair and honesty, but I, I forget that there's room to hope? Or do I just give Jesus my kind and happy prayers, yet don't acknowledge the actual despair that I'm, I'm experiencing? I think this, what we're seeing Martha is this incredible example of how to be people of hope and people of honesty. And as we see, because of what Martha said, this incredible conversation begins to open up. And this is what Jesus said to her. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Now, I imagine hearing this, Martha hearing this and just taking a pause, taking a beat and going, I wonder what he's talking about. Like, I wonder, what does that mean? Like, I need to know more. And so she shares her thought. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha hears, I think, clarifying. Like she's saying, I I know Lazarus, will be raised up in the end of time along with all your other children, all the other people of God. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's giving a different kind of promise. And so he makes this declaration to Martha that's just incredible. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die do you believe this in writing his gospel John he he's intentional about using a phrase in which Jesus describes who he is a name that Jesus is giving to himself seven different times it is happening in this gospel and it begins by Jesus saying the simple phrase I am now for the Jewish audience when they would hear that phrase light bulbs would be going off in their mind because they knew that there's no more powerful or sacred name that God gave himself other than Yahweh, which is found in Exodus 3 with Moses interacting with God through the burning bush. In that moment, Moses asked uh, God, what is your name? Like, I need to know who you are. I need to know your power. And the name that God gives himself is this name, Yahweh, which means I am who I am—that is my name—and so for generations and upon generations, this would be the most sacred name that people would have of God. People were not even able to speak it. If scribes would have to write it, they would have to get a new pen to be able to write it with, because it was that profound and that that sacred. And so Jesus steps onto the scene. And he picks up this name, I am who I am, which is more like an invitation. That name is like an invitation. You want to know me? You're going to have to watch me. You're going to have to live with me. And you will see who I am by the character I display, how I live, how I love, how I judge, what I bring into this world. Then you will know who I am. And Jesus steps onto this scene and he, he, he says that he is from God and with God. And what do we see Jesus doing? We see the the great I am healing people, teaching with authority, serving the lowly, taking on solidarity with the poor. As Jesus did so in John's gospel, he would oftentimes refer to himself with that phrase, I am, but then he would add on uh, another characteristic to it. So he would say, I am the good shepherd. I am bread from heaven. I am a gate that opens up to life. I am the light of the world. And here in this moment, meeting with this woman full of despair outside of a tomb of a loved one, Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am life. It is from this dark moment of loss that Jesus makes this declaration. In response to Martha's disappointment response to her her faith that Jesus makes this declaration that resurrection and life is who I am do you believe in that that's the invitation that Jesus ends this with Martha do you believe that I am who I am and who God is is I am resurrection in verse 27 she said I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into this world. Martha believes that Jesus is the great I Am. She takes Jesus at his word, even though his timing was off. And I just believe that in the midst of her grief that she was able to make that declaration that I believe you is something incredible, It's something profound. But Jesus didn't only want to have this experience with Martha he also wanted to meet with Mary. So Jesus waited outside the village and told Martha, I need to to see Mary too. Now this might be reading between the lines, but I don't think Mary was in the same headspace that Martha was in. I don't think think that she had the same mental or emotional or even spiritual. uh, She was in the same spiritual place that Martha was in. What we will see is that Martha, she was able to hold a sliver of hope, but Mary, she was deep in mourning. She was deep in despair. And Jesus knew this and did not want to leave her there. And so Jesus says, I want want Mary to come to me with all that she has. I want her to come to me. So Mary came to Jesus. And when they saw how Mary got up quickly to come to Jesus, the crowd that had gathered there to mourn with Mary also went with her to find Jesus outside the village And she said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now that's the same exact phrase that Martha said, just with one omission, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. But Mary, she didn't say those words. She just left uh, her statement to Jesus with her honest frustration, with her disappointment. Now I know quite often we can compare siblings. Like I've been there, I have an older brother, And I have kids like it's so easy for us to compare siblings and quite often we compare Mary and Martha against each other we praise one and we chastise the other but let's hold off on doing that with the story of these two sisters today because Jesus was not surprised to hear Mary's frustration I don't think that that Jesus uh, did not see this coming Jesus knew Mary's grief that it was louder than her hope in this moment. And Jesus called her to him. Jesus wanted Mary to bring that to him. You see, Jesus wants us to come to him when our hearts and our minds are heavy with sorrow, when those words of hope seem distant from us, when we aren't ready to share our faith-filled optimism with God. Before those prayers are perfected, Jesus wants us to come to him and just give him our honesty so that, so that we can be led to healing in his timing. And that's uniquely how Jesus responds to Mary differently than Martha. For Martha, Jesus engaged in this like theological conversation about I am the resurrection, and it was a sweet moment it was deeply profound, but Mary probably didn't need some theological discourse. What she needed was more than words. And this is what she's about to see Jesus do. She's about to see Jesus weep with her and then do something about her suffering. Jesus responds in verse 34 with a question. Where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then Jesus wept. Jesus he was a man of sorrow. We see in this story like the two natures of who Christ is his 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 power and his divinity and his human nature. We see Jesus declare that I am resurrection and life and yet we also find Jesus weeping. Though we might wish that God would protect us from sorrow and suffering and despair, what we actually find in this chapter is that Jesus draws Mary to him, goes to the place of her greatest pain, and weeps. I found in my life there's something healing about the fact that Jesus stands outside the tombs in our world, calls us to him, and weeps with us. That the Almighty God could be found being in sorrow and solidarity with our suffering. We see here that that Jesus is not numb to it, he's not some stoic or he's not removed, but the all-powerful God, the great I am, is with us in our sorrow, weeping with us, and somehow those tears bring about healing. And so they moved to the tomb that held Lazarus, and Jesus commanded that they roll the stone away, get the stone out of the way, and is still unsure about what this means and what this what this will be like she she says this but Lord the sister of the dead man said by this time there is a bad odor for he has been in there for four days and then Jesus responded by saying did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God what an incredible promise that by believing that Jesus promises that we will be able to see and experience the glory of God it sounds like the glory of God is all around us if we have eyes to believe and see it and I'm also reminded that the glory of God is manifested and found even in a tomb even in our sorrow that the glory of God can emerge if we just can have belief verse 41 take off the grave clothes and let him go by the sheer power of his words Jesus brought Lazarus back to life the same voice that at the beginning of time spoke light into darkness let there be light spoke into the tomb that Lazarus had and the despair that Mary and Martha carried and brought life you see Jesus truly is the resurrection and life It's not just merely what he does. It's who he is. I am the resurrection. That means that whoever's found in him is guaranteed life again. That though we may experience death and loss and sorrow, there is the promise of life again. That's not only for when we actually step in from this side of life to the next, but it's also the many deaths that we experience in our life. The many times we experience sorrow and loss that jesus promises that there will be resurrection there will be life again but jesus also does something more jesus doesn't only command that he comes back to life but he also says take off the grave clothes take off the wrappings of death that have covered him i want him set free and for many of us jesus wants to do more than just bring you back to life And show yet there's life again he also wants the wrappings of death be taken from us the the bondage of sin and brokenness and despair that cover us Jesus wants that to be removed for us so that we can experience life again this is how we know that Jesus has the ability that this was not the last time that Jesus had a stone removed from a tomb. This was not the last time that, that death cloths and the strips of linen were found in a tomb, that there was another tomb that was emptied. There was another life that was brought back, and that was his own. It was his own life on Easter that we are reminded that Jesus truly is the resurrection and the life. And Jesus did this for you. So the invitation for you today is to go to the great I am, go to the man of sorrows, bring your honesty, bring your despair and your disappointments, and if you have it, bring your trust as well, because Jesus promises to be with you, and wherever he is, there's life and there's resurrection. And so I want to I leave you with the same question that Jesus left Martha. Do you believe this?